Good morning. It's so wonderful to have you all in worship with us today. It is Sunday, April the 18th. A few announcements to bring up. Uh, first of all, our spring uh, church council is coming up on April the 28th at 7 p.m. here in the building. There should be packets in the back with information. Uh, the one thing that is missing at this point is there will be a ballot uh, for a district conference representative, which we don't currently have. They're still working on finding uh, those who are willing to act as the representative. If you are willing, please reach out to the nominating committee. Uh, let them know. That will be out if you are unable to attend, whether due to COVID concerns or because we do hold it at night and there are transportation concerns, you will be able to join online from home on Zoom. The, you will be able to receive your ballot ahead of time and then your ballot is due by the following Sunday worship. So the Sunday after the, uh, the 28th, you'll need to turn in your ballot and just slip it into one of the boxes we'll designate for that and we'll count those into the rest of the ballots then. Commission reports. Uh, commissions, please have your reports turned into the, uh, the office by Thursday the 22nd so that Becky is able to get those all ready to go in order for uh, them to be ready for the commission meeting on the 28th. I am going to go ahead and raise this as well. If you look back there, you may also find papers that the church board has recommended that our brother Mike Connor be licensed in the Church of the Brethren. This is the next step in the ministry journey. It's an exploration time to allow him to, to continue working in his journey towards ministry in whatever way that looks in the future. There will be an oral vote at the council. Bible study continues um, Tuesday night as we work through the book of Ruth. We'll be on Ruth chapter 3 at 7 o'clock this Sunday. Fellowship continue, uh, Sunday school continues in the fellowship hall at 9.30. All are invited. Uh, Brother Mike has been teaching that. It's been most enjoyable, especially since I get to listen to someone else teach and you don't have to listen to me. Are there any other announcements you wish to raise? Brother Dick. Thank you, Dick. For those of you who are at home, the Legionnaires, and was it the Legionnaires and the VFW or just the Legionnaires? Okay, so that works. <laughs> The Legionnaires will be putting flags out on the on on our veterans and our yes on on our veterans um, sites across the road, and they are asking for help from the churches. With more details to come as details come. <laughs> are there any other announcements? then what would you like to raise in prayer for joy and prayer for concern with your brothers and sisters today? 
of course. Our sister Janice is going to be having surgery on her cataracts this coming Wednesday, and it's, it, it has its own particular complications, which make it unusual. So please hold her in your prayers this week. Prayers for our sister Sandra, who has been in and out of hospital, uh, dealing with some heart issues and fighting with depression. So we'll hold Tony in prayer. He's had another seizure. He's on a lot of medications and hoping that the things go back under control and go away. It was my honor. It was my honor to, to be here with the Bertoff family this last week as we celebrated Norma's life. And a thank you from the family to, to everyone for the calls and the cards and the prayers. If you will join me in the call to worship today based off Psalm 4. Our righteous God, acknowledge our calls to you. We see the world around us, people claiming you with their words, but disowning you with their actions. For how long will they seek the false gods of this world and their egos? We are in awe of you. We silently search our hearts day and night, contemplating your ways. We follow and trust in you. God, fill our hearts with joy at the bounty you have put in our lives.
Please pray with me. God, we gather here lifting up those things that have weighed on our hearts this week, those things that have weighed on our hearts for years. We ask you to walk with us, to lift us, to comfort us, to do so with those that we love, to do that with those that we don't like. Lord, this week especially, we lift up our sister Janice, sister Sandra, brother Tony, for healing, for comfort. We lift up our sisters and brothers in the Bertoft family as they continue to mourn and celebrate our sister Norma, who has gone to be with you this last week. Holy One, light in the darkness, you shine through the troubles in our hearts, in our worlds, and offer us grace. You give us forgiveness when we stumble, you give us forgiveness when we purposefully step off the path. Help us to offer that to one another and to fully accept what you offer us. Amen. Good morning. What is the Lamb who was slain, holy, holy is he. Sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, holy, holy is he. Sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. I will adore you. Clothed in rainbows of living color, 
flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder, blessing and honor, strength and glory and power be to you, the only wise King, yeah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Filled with wonder, awestruck wonder, at the mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power, breath and living water, such a marvelous mystery. Yeah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. I will adore you. Acts chapter 3, verses 12 through 19. I'm reading from the NRSV today. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people. You Israelites, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you have handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him but you rejected the holy and righteous one. You asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by the name in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health and in the presence of all of you. And now, friends, I know that you have acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets that his Messiah should suffer. Repent, therefore, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Amen. I've always been 
a kind of forgiving person. I don't easily hold grudges. Something I inherited from Grandpa, who never held a grudge if he could help it. But I don't think I'm quite as good as Grandpa. At least, I never knew Grandpa well enough as a person. You know, he's always Grandpa. You know, you don't sit down when you're a little one and really ask the hard questions. And by the time that I realized I should have, it was already too late. Anyway, I'm not quite as good, I think, because I do hold grudges. Every once in a while, one sneaks in there. But almost all of them really have to do with just a few years of my life, fourth grade through 10th. It's just six years. I didn't really think that I ever was forming grudges. I just kept forgiving these kids who were always unkind to me. Now looking back, it was because I never was able to set good boundaries. I allowed people into my life that hurt me. And when that happened and I forgave them, I was never very good at setting the correct boundaries going forward to make sure that I wasn't hurt again. So it happened again and again and again. I remember when I realized I was holding a grudge because it was seventh grade, give or take, right at the beginning of the year. It was this event that allowed the parents to come over to the high school with us. Our, our school was small. Seventh grade was the beginning of high school for us. And at this one particular spot, I can't remember right where it was in the building, I ran into this young lady in my class. And she was being perfectly polite. And she said hello and tried to engage me in some conversation. And I said hello and then brushed her off. I gave her the cold shoulder. Now, for the most part, mom never really got involved in my relationships with, with other kids. I, I was generally a pretty cheerful, nice kid. But she had never seen me do this before, never just kind of be, well, outright rude to someone. And she didn't like it. And so she got after me. Mom, you don't understand. I've been with this girl since, you know, elementary, since first grade. And for the last three years, she has made my life miserable. She makes fun of me. She calls me names. She gets the other kids who pick on me. I don't want anything to do with her. That's when I realized I hold a grudge sometimes. Given enough time, I'll form one. Now, I was wrong to hold on to it because that girl actually ended up being one of my best friends through high school. It was just one of those things that kids grow up and they change and they learn how to better express themselves and not be jerks. Sometimes we learn that. We don't always learn that. And one would have thought I would have learned that lesson back then as I realized that there were people who I previously had written off as jerks that really weren't. But God challenged me again this last year when I got a call from a classmate. I know I've told bits and pieces of this when it was happening, but he reached out to me and it was someone, if I never had to encounter him again, my life would have been all the richer for it. 
I was Facebook friends with him, but I'm Facebook friends with anybody from school who tries to befriend me. I just didn't want to deal with him. He, he was one of the reasons that I decided that I wouldn't sit in the lunchroom with everybody else, that I would instead grab my lunch and go sit by myself in the band room. He was one of the reasons why I made very sure where I sat on the risers during choir because I didn't want him behind me. He reached out to me. Because of COVID, they've been dealing with economic problems. And because of COVID, they're both dealing with health problems. They both caught it, one right after the other, him and his wife. And he reached out to me because he knew I was a pastor and he wanted somebody to pray with. That was really weird. As I said, I did not care for this person. But he called me and asked me to pray with him. And so we talked a bit. And then we prayed. And I hung up the phone. And I looked up and I said, Why? Seriously? Like, I don't want to think about him. I don't want to talk to him. You know what he did to me. Why are you asking me to pray with my enemy? Oh, crap. <laughs> I get it, God. I don't like it, but I get it. You know, looking back, I know what I did wrong. You know, never really a victim's fault for doing something. At the same time, I also realize how I fed into that system and made myself worse for it. How I managed to take that grudge and imprint it on my heart. I couldn't forgive him. I also grew to realize that he dealt with his own problems. Just as I struggled with telling people, you've crossed a boundary with me. He struggled with dealing with the problems in his own life and how to have proper outlets for that. Because some of those outlets damaged me. Some of those outlets damaged him. It's hard to let go. It's hard to forgive those kids from school. There are still some I can't. I really try. It's part of my regular prayers. God, help me let go of this. To just forgive and let it be. Not forgive and forget. There's never a forget. That's something we've added to it. Christ never calls us to forget. But to forgive to let go of the anger, to let go of the hate. You know, with that, that man, I had a caricature in my mind of him that dated back to when we knew each other in school. And he was more monster than man. He was more monster than child of God. And that, that's something I have to fight. And it's easier for him now because I know him a little bit better Having gotten to sit and talk with him, there's other kids that I haven't talked with 
that I struggle much harder with because I haven't been able to redraw that caricature. So it's something I continue to pray, something I continue to struggle with. I think about this story. Let's, let's grasp some timeline here. It's just after Pentecost. It's not too long. So Jesus has died. Jesus rose again. And then 40 days later, Jesus ascends and is gone from this plane of existence. And another 10 days, Pentecost. So this happens not terribly long after that. So in terms of like today, this is something happening in July, maybe August. It's not been that long since Easter, since, well, as it was referred to up until recently, Black Friday, the day of Jesus' death. It's still got to be raw. Even if they saw Jesus come back, even if they saw the resurrection, they also saw him hang on the cross. But what does Peter offer them? Yes, he's critical. He does not forget what happened, but he does forgive them for what happened and invites them into fellowship with them with Christ. My forgiveness seems rather petty in comparison. But I can think of a forgiveness that's got to be just as hard. It was 2006. I was attending Elizabethtown College. And Elizabethtown, which is a Church of the Brethren uh, college, has a, 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 I can't think what it's called, it's an associated uh, education center with it. It's called the Young Center for Anabaptist and Pietist Studies, which is basically Church of the Brethren. I mean, we are Pietist and Anabaptist. And that's what this center is one of the world's most renowned and foremost experts in this subject. There's a professor there who's now retired named Don Crable. If you want to look up anything about the Amish, you'll probably find one of Don's books. He's just one of those people. I saw a lot of Don Crable on the news in 2006. CNN, Fox, MSNBC, local news affiliates, everybody was getting Don on because he had formed deep and lasting relationships with the local Amish of Lancaster County. And there was a major traumatic event in their community. And he was one of the people who could really talk about what happened and the Amish's response. It happened at a small school about 10, 15 minutes from the city of Lancaster called Nickel Mine. A man had gone in armed to the hilt. He had released the boys along with some young women who had infants with them or were pregnant. And he kept the girls inside with him. It then turned into a standoff with the police. The standoff ended after he shot several of the girls. 
including two young women, 13 and 11, who volunteered to go first so some of their classmates might not be shot. And then he killed himself. It was horrendous. Young boys and young women traumatized. Some young women lost, losing their lives or permanently damaged from these wounds. What happened next is what made all the news and why Donald Crable was on every news channel because people couldn't believe what happened next. A grandfather of one of the girls who died went on to say, let us not demonize this man. He has a wife. He has children. He's one of God's children too. They went over to his family's home to visit his now widow and children to pray with her, to give her food. That's forgiveness. An insane level of forgiveness that I think any one of us could say that we would struggle to offer in such a situation. But that was their first reaction. Now, if you know something of the history of the brethren, we are, as I said, Anabaptist and Pietist is our roots. We come from people out of the Lutheran and the Reformed tradition who were influenced by Mennonite neighbors. The Amish are a split off of the Mennonite. They're not that far away from us. They are pretty close cousins. It's in our DNA, too. But my, that's something hard. Crable, along with some other experts who really know their theology, who understand it, were talking about it, and they said it's not in their nature. They are reminded again and again by the Gospels that we should forgive and not hold grudges. So while this seems surprising to all of you, for them, this is a perfectly natural reaction to a, for a Christian to take in such a situation. They don't like to hold grudges. I wish I could be more like them. Now, mind you, they forgive, but they don't forget. They couldn't go back into that space. And it sat empty for several years until at last it was bulldozed and returned to field. They never forgot. They never forgot their daughters and granddaughters that they lost. They never forgot the granddaughters and daughters that were now living with horrendous injuries. But they also never forgot the family of that man, whose his father, the man whose the man's father, continues to do business with the, with the Amish community. 
they continued for some time to take food to her and her family to help support her after the loss of her husband and the loss of their primary income. They continued to walk through them in that process, even as they grieved. With that in mind, and I think of what Peter and the disciples were doing there, offering that kind of forgiveness, it's amazing. And without that kind of forgiveness, we would not be a church. What if they had held that same kind of grudge against Saul, who persecuted and harmed and killed their own kind, other Christians? He wouldn't have Paul. The church would not exist if not for forgiveness. As we move from Easter to Pentecost, as we prepare to move from the church that celebrates resurrection to the church that is filled with the Holy Spirit and goes out and lives in the world, we have to grasp forgiveness because that's what binds us back together because I am sure there is not one of you in here that has ever been harmed by someone else. It may be someone else sitting in here. It may be someone else in your life. Forgiveness isn't saying what you did to me was okay. Forgiveness is about saying, I'm not going to hold this against you. I may need to set up safe boundaries. I think that's a fair thing we can all say in today's world. Sometimes boundaries have to be put in place. But it's also recognizing that that person is still a child of God, that they aren't that caricature of a monster in our heads that they're still loved. So forgive. Don't let the anger, don't let the hate, don't let the hurt stew in you. It doesn't get you anything. It doesn't get you anywhere. The only thing it ever will do is hold you back from Christ and hold you back from forgiveness. Christ forgave us. God forgave us. Let's not be like that servant who was forgiven an unimaginable debt and goes on to not forgive a minor debt of another. Let's be more like the father whose, fa whose son said, give me half of your wealth. I'm going to go spend it on whatever I like. Don't care what you think. Let's be like the father who runs out and says, I'm so glad you're back in my life. I love you. Amen.
As you go out today, may the grudges that lay upon your heart, the anger, the hurt, may they evaporate like mist in the morning sun and leave your heart sparkling like fresh dew. Amen.